and uh, you are like the numbers kind of guy and know this. And I have another friend that I want you to meet after we give this marketing presentation and see what he thinks of it, you know, and, and, and we'll all get together and have a chat. Welcome to Far North Dokers. And this is episode 161, November 24th, 2019, with your host, Midtoker. Thank you all for listening. Have a feeling there's going to be some new listeners today. If you like what you hear, lots of episodes to go back and listen to. Very excited to add this piece to the puzzle that has become Alaska Legal Weed. Sean Tacky, co-founder, CFO, Good Titrations, comes on to talk about his life with cannabis, the beginning of Good Titrations, what the retail is going to look like. I want to thank Sean for having me out to Good Titrations. It's amazing how long a conversation can go. As always, you know, uh, the plan is to get the show out by Sunday night. Fell short this week. I was still talking with Mr. Tacky till after midnight last night, so I did not get a chance to publish. Let's thank all sponsors, Alaskan Blooms, Chena Cannabis, Aurora Apothecary, and those token sponsors, Green Dreams Cultivation and Frizen Farms. Here's Token. What are we drinking? This is Hoodoo Kolsch. Hoodoo Kolsch. Yep. Nice. Yeah, it's nice well, having a brewery in your backyard. And they actually take pretty good care of it. It's actually kind of funny. I wanted to replace that tap on the top with a Hoodoo tap. Those Hoodoo yeah, taps. Yeah, got to. I, I kind of figured it was not Budweiser. No, it's not Budweiser. But those taps at Hoodoo are 75 bucks. Really? Yeah. I was like, uh, no, we're not going to buy one of those. That's quite all right. Drunk. You can keat my barrel. Put, your, um, put some kind of like a titrations thing. Oh, yeah. Create my own kind of good titrations oh, tap yes. handle. That would be pretty interesting. Yeah, you might One of these well. days. You know, hey, I mean, you got uh, the stem to kind of pull off the... It's true. And, you know, once uh, there isn't a restriction between two license types, maybe. Oh, <laughs> oh man, right. To put, them, to put them on together. Yeah. Have you guys, have you guys <laughs> thought about... Um, I don't even know if we're in the show yet. Come on down to Alaskan Blooms for the finest cannabis in Alaska. We've got deals going all week to show our appreciation to wonderful customers just like you. Firstly, all week long, if you spend 50 or more dollars, we'll take $5 off your purchase of our brand new Alaskan Blooms t-shirts. On Munchy Monday, we've got hard candies and gummies from Creative Confections in a wide variety of flavors for 25% off. On Tuesday, we've got a great deal on one gram distillate cartridges. Stop by and get one gram of Midnight Sun Special Caramelized Distillate at a regular price and get the second for just $50. Make sure you come in Wednesday and check out our selection of MJ Arsenal mini rigs. Collect them all because they're 30% off. Feeling parched? On Thursday Thursday, we're selling six packs of Hashade for $100. On Fire Eater Friday, any product made by Fire Eater is 10% off. Whether it's marshmallows, hard candy, or soda, there's something to take care of that sweet tooth. Of course, we've got all sorts of deals going on Black Friday, including half ounces for $85 and ounces for just $170. Make sure to swing by on Shatterday and save 10% on your Shatter purchase. We've got stuff made from many of our own strains that you just gotta check out. Finally, CBD Sunday is the perfect time to try our wide assortment of CBD products. Purchase any CBD product and save 10%. We'll also take 20% off if you get two CBD products. Buy any three or more CBD products and we'll save you 30%. We can't wait to see you. 8 a.m. to midnight, 2443 Arvilla Street, Fairbanks, alaskanblooms.com.
Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Welcome to Far North Tokens. <laughs> Sean Tacky, CFO and co-founder of Go Titrations. Absolutely. It's me. Thanks for having us here at Good Titrations for sitting upstairs. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming. It's nice Welcome. and quiet. Love it. Yeah, well, it's a Sunday. It would be much more louder and more raucous if it was any other day of the week. So, Just in my ear, is, I've been recording sometimes and you hear a dog in the background and the guest doesn't hear it at all. Yeah. They're just, they're into their thing and I'm just like, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, but just getting to go on talking about themselves, they don't think about it at all. Well, I think you just, and maybe not even, you're just in that moment, I think. And I am, when we're, when we're recording, there'll be certain moments that I'll, I'll hear and go, oh, that's cool. Those sound bites. Yep. Where you're just like, you don't need to say anything more than that. Done. Boom. I've got it. And then there's times I hear, oh, I got to edit that part out when I hear things or, but this is so quiet back here. It's nice. nice. You must have found it nice to be back here away from a lot of things. In your business? Yeah, just to be able to get up here and escape. Yeah. Well, I mean, not just here, but where your location is, your address. Yeah. There's not a lot going on back here. There's it? not, yeah. It's, it's great. From Heavy industrial, too. Really easy to like get light, like permits and stuff like that. No one's too concerned. You don't have any signs up or anything. No, no one's fighting you. Yeah. <laughs> About getting in and things. Did you guys yeah. have any trouble when you were starting out getting in? Getting into well, yeah, getting place. into this place and yeah, like people fighting you at the borough and things like that. Yeah, not really, actually. I mean, the biggest thing would be trying to find a location at first to put your license on and say, hey, I want to have a license and this is the location. It took us quite a while to actually get a spot. In fact, this one ended up having to be made for us to really, actually really have nice. a spot. So, yeah, um, the addition was built onto this so that we could rent it. So, right on. so it worked out pretty well. And then, I mean, being in heavy industrial and... Being outside of the city, but in the borough, definitely helps. I mean, we kind of knew that when we were trying to get locations, knowing how friendly the borough was. I mean, the borough assembly at the time when we got this legalized and we we're trying to get a license was uh, way more, hey, here's open arms and hugs. Come in here. We want to do economic development. You know, like this is a good thing. Like you could always count on seven out of the nine assembly members being in support of industry, pro-industry, you know, pro-safety too, of course, but making a good balance. Unlike the city where it's, hey, there's three and three votes and then one mayor that can split ties and who knows what you could get, you know? Was it days more conservative little... in the city that they were fighting just cannabis in general? Yeah, it was always more of a concern. I mean, you have Jerry Clearworth who is a little bit more concerned at the beginning. David Pruz, I'm trying to think of who all of our council members were at the time. What I mean, like Shoshana wasn't there, you know? No. Um, and neither was Kathy. Robertson. So, I mean, like, there was a lot of folk. I'd have to go back and see who was serving at the time, but it was a little more questionable. We were like, oh, yeah. And, like, building permits and things like that. We were like, yeah, if we live in, or if we're, or we're, our base is in just the borough, then we follow state fire marshal laws, but we don't have to, like, there's not building codes and stuff like that. And there's not nice. that double. as much of a double whammy on you. Yeah, they're a lot more friendly and they're a lot more easier to work with. They've helped make really good zoning decisions and stuff like that. Yeah, that was one of the things that I keep wanting to talk about is Luke Hopkins, that he was such a positive force in Fairbanks Cannabis, that he got things going, he got people talking about it so early. Yeah. Still, Anchorage was waiting 
I don't know when they started talking about it, but it was definitely after Fairbanks. Yep. Yeah. He definitely pressed forward on that and um, got the zoning. Like, people yeah. knew where they could go. It was awesome, fantastic too, because like he, you know, permitted the travel cost for um, their their director of planning and zoning to go down there. Of community planning is what it is to go down to Colorado and other places and get you know tours of spots, hear what the issues were there. What, what is her name? She did a really good. She did Christine really good Nelson. Yes. Yep. I've talked Christine to Nelson and um, and Kellen Spillman. He's also one that should get recognition as well. Yes. Because he's, you know, he's the deputy. How about director. Manish? Oh, and Manish. <laughs> so Bummery is gone, man. Is he gone? He is gone now. Oh, no. Yeah, no longer in the borough. What happened? Where's Manish? I'd have to go and ask again. I forgot. He ended up having another job someplace else or something. I forgot what it was. But I, it was a bummer. We were sad to see him go. Very easy to talk to. Yeah. Would help you out. You come and talk to him. Anything. Yep. Help you out. Good. Go right there at the, the little window and. He'll line you out with the permits you need and where you need to go. Help point out properties and then show you, hey, this is like not even worth wasting your time going looking at this property because right. it's a buffer zone. Is Nelson and Spielman still there? <clears throat> yes, they are. Yep. And, um, so they've been there since the beginning. Yeah, they have been. They've been there since the very beginning, helped develop it all, and um, we're still continuing on in the planning and zoning world. It's a real unfortunate thing. What really got me was um, when the city took it upon themselves to create new buffer zones. That was all included in the same ordinance to um, um, limit the number of retail licenses and a ban on-site consumption and then create those new buffer zones. And I even, like, got Callum to come down there and give them the business and say, hey, you know, we went through a very thorough public process for all these buffer zones. You just, like, eliminated a lot of downtown. There's actually a location downtown that we were looking at for a retail spot. And then that was like, oh, wait, no, there's... A treatment facility that's like 105 feet from the door. <laughs> I was like, oh, that would have been perfect because it was a hu- more than 100 for the borough in the uh, state. But as soon as they put it up to 700 feet, 750 feet, I think is what the city has, they eliminated that property. And I was like, gosh, darn it. So that went through, but the did the limit go through also? Yes, they all went through. Oh, and the banning then, of on-site consumption. Yeah, that did get passed. And then just this last year, the beginning of this year, not in the beginning, but like in like May or something like that, May or April, Shoshana put out an ordinance to eliminate the ban on on-site consumption. And there was a lot of humming and hawing across all the um, uh, city council members and stuff, and it didn't seem like it was going to go through. And so I latched on to Frank Attorney. I was like, hey, Frank, I got an idea for a great citizens initiative. And so got him to get all the paperwork, and we were just going to like eliminate that whole section. I was going to have... Me and Frank drafted it to have it oh, so that way to, to remove the on-site ban, to remove the li- the license limit, and also to remove all the buffer zones. We got that thing going, got the signatures. We were going to have this initiative rolling forward. And having that lurking above made the rest of the city council vote to... Right. They want to control. They were like, oh, wait, no. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, wait, hold on. Yep, we'll, we'll pass this um, ordinance if, you know, it'll take away your referendum. It's like, yep. Right. We'll take away the referendum. And that's if it's something that, that a lot of people don't appreciate about politics. You can get things done just with knowing that something could happen. Yeah. And Frank, I know Frank was upset that yeah, yeah. that it didn't come to fruition, that it didn't yeah. happen completely. Yeah. But it wasn't necessary in the end. It did accomplish what it was supposed to do. It, yeah, it accomplished one of the things. I mean, I also wanted to get rid of the ban- the buffer zones. That one's more of a stick in my side okay. than the uh, license count. 
That one's fine. The number was so high, I think. Right. Like, Matter has it at 25. To... Yeah. I don't know if we will get to it or not. You know, we might. I'm, I was nervous at first, you know, like, oh, man, I need to hurry up and get a location and a license rolling before oh, this cap comes up. Because if I don't, then there might be an issue. Yeah. But um, we haven't had any issues. It's like, I think it counts at like 13 or 10 or something like that. So there's not enough room. There's yeah. not enough. There's not enough market for it. Yeah. I mean, right now. That might be the case. Okay. But, uh, I think it's going to grow and just keep on getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that as people, you know, transition from consuming opioids or other things and start learning that this is another avenue, people drink less and start using that. And also one of my driving goals or what, since the beginning of this whole thing, back when we were the CRCL, <laughs> before we even had the AMIA, one thing I always wanted all of us to push for is get this removed from the um, list of controlled substances on the state's statutes. Oh, just the state level. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Well, now if you go and actually read up on who can give you drug tests for pre-employment drug tests, just think. it's all state laws that rule it. So any company that's operating within our state has to follow the state laws. There's no federal laws that say you have to, except for if you're working in a safety-sensitive position with federal oversight. So FAA jobs. Um, truck driver things. Yeah, truck drivers, Department of Transportation type jobs. Those ones, they'll have that. But even like... In mining industry, there's not even that. Wow. So, like, there's a lot of things that aren't forced by feds. It's just by the state giving you permission to test for these things. Mm-hmm. And so, the, if you go and read the state law, it says, yeah, you can test for anything that's on this list. Boom, here's the list of controlled substances within the state. And so, that's why they kept it there and they created the whole separate, here's Schedule 6. So, in the state of Alaska, or, you know, in most all states and in the federal government, there's five schedules. In the state of Alaska, we have six. So schedule six only thing marijuana. That's it. That's the only one in there. And what and that just allows it to be um, identified for treated as a controlled substance. Yep, mm. and giving it the least amount of damage to society. You know, I mean, given all the privacy laws of you know, rape so and it and separated stuff, it from opioids when they always when they talk about the federal, it's lumped in there with heroin and acid and yeah, yeah, at the federal level, still right? Is. Um, but at the state level, it's when was it separated? Safer. I'd actually have to go back and look. I'm not sure. I think Do it was, think it was a Raven like, thing. I think it was after that. Yeah, okay. well, ways after that. A ways, and just like the whole decriminalization kind of aspect of it, because I mean, for the like most during part, our the ballot measure four, all that stuff before all that happened. Then. Yeah, before nice. all the ballot measure stuff. Well, that's good. That's <laughs> but so that's been like I mean that has been my driving force because you know having been at jobs where they tested you for that and it's like dude that was like my way to relax in the evenings and stuff. But then you oh no you have this job now so. Here's alcohol. We are totally okay with you having drink last night, but you know <laughs> what makes it hard. <laughs> a lot of the population to come out of the closet. Yeah, because when you may consume cannabis at night instead of a multitude of other things, but you can't say it. Yeah, because you lose your job. Yep, it affects nothing about your job other than maybe you treat people better. Yeah, you know, it introduces you to cannabis culture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically it. I, I think that you know getting rid of employees that would should be based on their merit, how well they're doing. Like, oh yeah, if you're showing up to work late every day or something, there you go. That's yeah, the reason. Exactly. Not doing your job. Oh, you consumed a joint two weeks ago? That's not a reason to, you know, no. to fire somebody. But back to my point, though, been trying to get this thing taken off of the list of controlled substances so that if that does happen, that's when that pie of consumers will grow. What's your progress on that? It's not very far. <laughs> I mean, it's I put the bug in people's ears. I even like try to like look at it in different ways of saying, "Hey, 
instead of removing it from the list of controlled substances, you can maneuver the drug testing law itself to just not include that one. So you can say, hey, just test between one and five. But the reality is, is that it isn't a controlled substance. It's now a regulated substance. Alcohol is deemed a regulated substance. It's not listed in the, list, the controlled substances scheduling system at all. Hmm. It's a regulated substance. But it has its own rules that has to be followed. So you can do the same thing with this. You just take away the drug testing aspect of it. And a whole bunch of other litany of other criminal charges you have to change as well. But you it's should. an evolution of the process, right? Don't yeah, it'll it's, happen. It's the amount of effort that needs to go into it. I even had a draft of a bill that we actually got from a representative's office who was kicking the idea and mulling it over. And it looked good. And it, there was a possibility of it. But, hey, I'm not going to say, you know, the representative or how long ago it was. But it's it's out there. It could be done. It's just a lot of work. And it's a big overhaul. But it's doable. And it's one of the driving factors. So I've been having the borough assembly for the last three, four years now. It's listed in their list of requests to our uh, legislature. Say, so, hey, here's our, law, our uh, legislative priorities. One of them is remove it from the list of controlled substances and treat it like a regulated substance. And so the, that same kind of resolution and document that goes to from the borough is going to be coming from the city tomorrow. They're voting on it. So I'm going to send them an email tonight or tomorrow morning about nice. trying to get that added to it. That must be part of what you feel good about uh, representation, what you've done for the borough, putting yeah. that in there. I mean, that's one thing. Right. And that, Not that's actually that. something that, like, we actually did that before I was even on the assembly. Okay. Yeah, that was actually done. Just as an advocate? As an advocate, we were just like, I think we were there for some other thing. I forgot what it was. We were at the borough assembly chambers that day. And, it might have uh, just been legalization, right? Trying to get it off the schedule and trying no. to, to support it? Well, no, I'm trying to think of like why else we were there, but while we were sitting there for some other like zoning rule okay. or some, you know, ban or something that they were putting into place that we wanted to speak out against. So we ended up being there and then I saw, oh, there's this legislative priorities list. I'm like, hey, I'm like nudge Frank and a couple other people like, hey, when this comes up, let's go up there and say that we want this on the list on the legislative priorities list to remove from the list of controlled substances. Pushed it. Van Lawrence put it in there. Other people agreed. And it's on there. And it went on there for the entire term of Carl Castle's thing. And then when Mayor Warden got on, that very I, that next year I was not on the Legislative Priorities Committee. And so I was like, I'm going to go to that committee meeting. Now that he's in there, I bet you it's not going to be there. Showed up to the meeting. Look at it. It's not there. And I was like, oh, what? You did this? You took this out? I knew you were going to do it because, you know, the whole North Pole banning right. situation. But he so apparently like, oh. he's, he's always said he would let the, what the people decide. Yeah. But he took it out? Yeah, his administration. They took it out because they said it was, like, too vague or it wasn't specific enough. And I was like, that's not a real good reason. We've had it there for three years. I was like, I think it's fine. And I tried to, like, I had no authority in the committee, you know, because I'm not actually on that committee. So mm-hmm. I can't make motions and stuff. But I was, like, kind of, like, hinting at other assembly members trying to do it and no, it would bite then when it actually came before the assembly we voted it in like almost unanimously if i'm not mistaken oh, so you just kind of overrided what was trying to happen yeah well we just have like i get my shake at each one of these things that come by you, know, you can make as many motions and um amendments as you want oh, or you can attempt to and see if you get the votes to do it while we're talking about the borough assembly yeah i i, did, I didn't think i was going because i still want to go back into your your background pre-legalization, but right. we're here. Um, there's, I've always been publicly antagonizing you as on your um your seat on the assembly, more in a way like 
Given the recusing myself situation? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of felt you got in there, you got elected under a cannabis ticket. Mm-hmm. Kind of this feeling like you're going to help cannabis. But then once you got on the assembly, in my perspective in the beginning, I felt like, well, he can't even help. Yeah. Like he has to recuse himself all the time. Yeah. But there was a lot of other things going on there that I didn't see or that just having an advocate for cannabis did being on there. A hundred percent supported you the whole time. Appreciate but I that. just felt like there was just this thing. Oh, like, yeah. no, why? I, I get it all the time. Like I get the whole, you know, ribbing for that. You know, Emmett as well gives me a hard time. Like other people are like, oh, why are you recuse yourself from all these things? It's like, did you have to or did you do it? professionally did someone tell you you have to recuse yourself or did you yeah so i mean that's okay. a bit of it is the lawyer of the borough right they're there to protect us from ourselves when we make stupid things happen so given the fact that we're not supposed to have like a financial interest in something that you're completely you're doing and voting on like if it would materially alter my financial situation then i should recuse myself from the votes so when it comes to general laws that affect all of them, that would, they, I would not be um, forced to be, recuse myself. I mean, there were other times when, like, even on-site consumption, we try to put an, a resolution out there supporting on-site consumption regulations. I had to, I actually s- stood my ground and was like, no, I want to vote on this. We'll see who thinks I should be recused because I think this is of a general nature. It's not directly affecting my business. Yeah, that's and so we got the, the assembly to vote. And I think was it Satley and Lance? So I mean, there's a couple of them that voted saying I shouldn't be on the on there. I should recuse myself. Well, the rest of them agreed with me to be able to stay and discuss the matter and vote on the resolution that affects the on-site consumption regulations. The resolution ended up failing anyway, but I got to stay there and hold my position and argue for those things. When I'm recusing myself all the time is when it's licenses. So it's a very specific one. So if I could give this air of like, oh, I'm going to say no to your license unless you sell me all your trim, you know, like obviously that person could be a, a, um, a supplier of my company or if you're. But you wouldn't. But you're saying you wouldn't. The there's the perception. Opportunity too. There's the opportunity too. There's it's the taken, perception. The decision is taken out of your hands. So then it's like, yeah. Right, yeah. So then you'd get a ruling. You'd say, hey, ask the borough attorney. What do you think of these things? And since it became such common nature. That it would, it's just been a, a ruling that that's the case no matter what. And it's not, I've always thought of it as being a um, a positive thing, like like encouraging, but you're saying it's there to protect you from taking away someone's right. Like if another manufacturing company would come in and you're like, nope, not going to have it. Yeah. Finding some way Some to, BS reason, yes. you know, just a, something that I could contrive to say, yeah, there's a reason you shouldn't have your license. So you never you have to be put in a situation that. where you yeah. have to no There's no perception of yes. it, you know? I mean, that's the kind of the biggest thing is the perce- perception of it. I don't want somebody to think there's, like, some undue influence on it. Because there's not. I mean, I mean, even on the assembly, everyone votes right. all the licenses through no matter what. It's not uh-huh. a big deal. It actually becomes kind of more comical because of recently, there's three assembly members that have interests in cannabis companies. I don't know. Hearing them recuse themselves. And so you hear them recuse themselves all the time. So there's three of us each time a license, or there was three of us, that recuse ourselves for every license. It's like, all right, this is a little ridiculous. I mean, when is there so many licenses that it doesn't become an issue? So once there is a point where it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, hairdressers or nail salons or things like that, like where there's just tons of them, or even the alcohol establishments, I don't think that there is, I don't think that another person that if owns an uh, alcohol license would actually need to recuse themselves because there's just so many. 
or they don't even compete on the same level. So, like, you know, a food and beverage one, well, I'm like owning the Midnight Mine or something. I'm not, you're not the same competition. Chena Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit. You're going to love this place. Convenient access right off the highway as you're hitting the lakes this summer or about this trip on the way out of town. Stock up on those special in-house strains. Taffy, sourdough, fruity pebbles, Bruce Banner, green crack. Always a $5 pre-roll and special and $10 grams. Concentrates, buy good cannabis, good titrations, edibles, AK Frost, good cannabis gummies. Head on over to Chena Cannabis. Check out the full menu on Leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. 9 p.m., Sunday noon to 6. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at Chena Cannabis, your North Pole Cannabis Dispensary. Chena Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. remember when you decided to run for borough assembly yeah actually so lance roberts was running for re-election this is how this all happened yeah I this yes yep so so lance roberts was running for re-election and uh you know we're all in the political realm and stuff and busy you know being involved and you know i was like all right you know i could possibly do this kind of thing maybe but i'm not gonna do it why you i don't know why me i'm not sure so anyway me and frank you know Talking all the time. He's like, dude, you need to run for this. Like, this is for you. Like, Emmett's, you know, on the marijuana control board, like, going that avenue. And, like, I have, you know, I talk about politics a lot and love this stuff. I'm, like, knowledgeable usually on regulations and things like that. Uh-huh. So, that's kind of one reason why me. It's, like, not bad. You already doing these it. things. Yeah. And okay, I do this stuff. To be self-interested and take a part and to help guide the industry that way. Yeah. Well, and guiding the industry. Heck, even the rest of the part, parts of the government. Like, zoning and planning efforts, you know. Um, Are you you were in there as an aside, not just for cannabis, then to to make our yeah, place absolutely. a better place? Six. Yes. Oh, I like it because well, you have the kids and, and in this yeah. place. You're not yeah, exactly. It's not just a. It's not just cannabis. that. It wasn't just that, but that is what drove me to be at the borough assembly chambers and listen to all the other issues that are there. Where it's like, actually, I would like to help influence or discuss these things with the group and like. Why not? I mean, sometimes it's really boring. Like, oh, you're just approving a bit award. Whoopity-doo, right? But then there's other things that it's like, wait, no, here's sign regulations. and Or here's, you know, umpteen number of things. Like, the alcohol serving time. Like, that was one of the ones where I got to make amendments on the rules of hours that alcohol served. So instead of, oh, hey, you had to wait till 10 a.m. to get a Bloody Mary from the Oasis? Nope, you can get it at 8 now. Nice. <laughs> and it's like, I like helping loosen up some laws. And... um so being there was a lot of fun. But anyway, Frank was pushing me to try and run against Lance Roberts because Lance was running unopposed. And, and Lance no is the marijuana. And Lance is the marijuana antichrist. Right? Like he's what? just like always out there being hypocritical about personal freedoms and marijuana. And so it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, we should run against that person. 
it was like the last day of the deadline and I was leaving the work. I was at, out at Fort Knox. He's like, yeah, you got to make the deadline. Go in there. I'm like, man, I'm not going to make it. I'm not even going to try. I just didn't even try. So yeah, Lance ended up running out of post. And so then we were... You did write in, right? But yeah. So then okay. I got... Um, we were getting, so me and Frank, we were going to go bend the ear of uh, Christopher Quist. So we're like, hey, let's have a meeting. You want to go to the Oasis? And we'll have a beer and some french fries or something and chat. So we're sitting there BSing with him and stuff. And then Frank got on the whole point. Like, yeah, I can't believe you didn't run for or against Lance. And like, oh, Christopher's like, you're thinking of running against Lance? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, it's not a terrible idea. Someone should have. I can't believe there wasn't anybody. Right. And he's like, well, you know, you could do a writing campaign. I was like, um, maybe, I don't know. Like, did, he's like, yeah, so Chris. Did Mikowski do hers yet? Yeah, Mikowski had already done hers. Okay, yeah. so you're like, it can happen. It is a possibility. <laughs> and then, like, even, um, like, other people in the community, like Greg Hill and people that write in the newspaper and huh? stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, like, here's a write-in candidate. Like, it's only been done once in the borough's history where someone's won a so write-in campaign. Like a, so, like, I was like, I was like yeah, I could, like, try and do this. And I was super pumped about it. Like, yeah, uh, Julia Quist, um, Christopher Quist's mother, they held, like, you know, fundraising event. Like, tried to, like, give me all the support to show me how to, like, campaign and do this thing. Just learn. And, like, yeah, freaking Griers giving me tips, you know. Like, hey, here, check these out. Shows me, like, little bracelets that Murkowski had for, like, write-ins. And I was like, all right, this is a good idea. So, like, sit there and tried to push it and did it and got my name out there. Signs everywhere. You know, I only got like 30-something percent uh, for write-in votes. So, I mean, it's something. It's not nothing, but it was like, you know. Did you say 30? 30-something. 30 it was like 35. That's huge 36. for write-in. Right? It's not too bad. So I was oh. pretty, pretty well, stoked about it. Especially what he probably got. I mean, he probably got 45 or something like that, right? We don't get 100% voting. No. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Lost the election or whatever. The next year, I was like, all right, well, I'm, I've already done it. Got a whole bunch of signs already made. Like, I'm fresh in people's minds because they were just out there last year. So I'm going to run for one of the empty seats this year. And uh, nobody ran against me. <laughs> so it was super easy. I didn't have to campaign, you know. Um, Did it feel good? felt great. Yeah, you know, it was kind of nice. Knowing that you're going to get the job. Knowing that I was going to, yeah. It was really awesome. No one's mounting a write-in campaign against me. There's not like a church is up. And you've, you've done a fine job. I mean, there's never been... I've, I've attended a lot of meetings. I'm, I'm not there all the time. Definitely not there all the time. And I... Um, I'm Jealous, I think, is probably a good word to describe. I envy... Uh, representatives being on there, you know, yeah. someone looking up to them, maybe to you guys actually, you live the theoretical life, right? Of we can really make change, you can, and by our theory of government is that we can change everything tomorrow. By you have the right, you have certain representatives in there, any whatever certain ideology ideology that exists. You can vote and change it. You yeah. get a majority, and for the most part, it happens. Biggest thing is finding the majority or finding enough buy-in on your or idea. just showing up. That's huge. Like, just putting your idea out there. Like, you guys are there that night at the Borough Assembly meeting, and yep. you have a chance to put your legislative um, priority. party in there. Yeah. And if you weren't there, that wouldn't have happened. And you saw your voice. You said something. It got turned into language that got written down and put into thoughts and this is what our board is representing yep that's what i love about what you've been able to do that you have represent and sit there sit there through that whole boring meeting (laughs) plenty of long boring nights like i can get up and go go to the bathroom do whatever i want go out smoke joint go smoke bowl come back there's a lot to sit there and listen to shit that you don't care about 
Or it it wasn't all pot. Or, yeah, or to, like, actually be like, oh, yeah, I want to get into the nitty-gritty of these things. Or you're, like, going and reading the detailed ordinances and, like, finding, like, nuances in law. Like, that's exciting to me. That's part of me wants to actually have always wanted to be a lawyer. And so... Just putting language into the ordinance. And no one says anything. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah, like, I just got it in there. Well, my last... So, like, one of the the ones that I'm actually kind of... I enjoy a lot that I actually just recently had done. Um, Like, on one of my last days at the borough assembly, we had an ordinance in front of us regarding um, banquet halls. And so... Uh, the drafters of the ordinance, just to like try and keep everything copacetic, put it all as conditional use permits. And they originally put their ordinance together as a conditional use permit in um, rural agricultural zone and rural farmstead zones. You have to have at least two acres for rural farmstead. There are either two or five acre lots. And then rural agriculture, it's 10, 20, and 40, if I'm not mistaken, acre lots. Not all of them are actually that size of acre lots because... That happens a lot where they just get made smaller and they're non-conforming now. But they put it in there as a conditional use. It went to the planning department. And then the planning department, Christine Nelson and all of them said, oh, no, we shouldn't put them in the rural farmstead area because it's too residential-like. Like, it's too tight-knit. And we should only limit what's in, the, like, the RA zones. We should keep it as conditional use permits, you know? Um, and they get and gave their presentation to the planning commission. The planning commission got to put their input into it. And they're like, yeah, we want, they were going to try and like think of that, making sure there was a, a large enough lot size or something too. And all these restrictions on it and making it just conditional use permit. They removed the RF thing too. And just to put a banquet hall? Did you yeah. Use a banquet hall? To, to make a, a banquet hall being a uh, use in that zone. Got it. And, uh, then it comes across the assembly and I'm sitting there in the work session like, Hold on, I'm, I'm looking at the rules and the laws that are here. Like, it says church buildings are permitted uses in all these areas. Like, if I could have a church building, then technically I could have a mega church. I could have, like, a friend's church or some huge thing right there. I could have people there every single night of the week. There could be different church functions all the time. Like, given that standard, then how can we, with a straight face, say banquet halls need to be conditional use permitted? Right. Like, all you're going to do is have, like, a wedding there or something every now and then? I don't think that's going to be a problem. So, like, anyway, nobody else is making these adjustments and stuff. But I'm, like, making all these amendments. I'm like, actually, we're going to amend this to actually make it be a permitted use, not a conditional use. And then I'm going to add back the farmstead one, too, that you guys wanted to take away. And it's also going to be permitted because it just makes the most sense. I mean, obviously, I had to get, you know, everyone to buy in and the votes. And my argument won over enough people to put those in those spots. So, totally changed the ordinance from what it was before. <laughs> To make it all just permitted uses, so now you can start a banquet hall in the rural agricultural or rural farmstead zones. That's good to know, because how that applies to cannabis, I mean, there's going to be some events, and there, there's yeah. events that can happen. I'm assuming because of that now. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it depends on, I mean, it, there's other opportunities for people to take advantage of, like, lots that they might have, or, or barns or something that's a space that they couldn't have done before. And I mean, it all starts usually from one constituent or some people that are like, hey, there's an issue. I went to them and asked if I could do this. And they said, I couldn't. Why can't I? Oh, well, let's just change it, you know, make it so you can. And so that is how that one ended up coming up. It just makes sense to be able to be more permissive right. in those cases to me than to be like over. Well, there had to be a reason for it originally. There had to be something. Yeah. Hopefully it wasn't self-interested trying to hurt somebody. But yep, definitely not about hurting people. It's just about them wanting to have their own economic opportunity. Right. Like build a, a little barn thing to have people come and enjoy weddings or other get-togethers, you know? Being allowed to gather. Yeah, right? <laughs> what but, are you most proud of at the assembly for oh, uh, campus related 
Um, I don't know. Just always being a defender of it in general. Like, just I wasn't going to go and, like, make more laws against anything. Like, to me, what they had already done for planning and zoning purposes was really well done. I didn't think we need to go and limit hours because hours haven't been an issue. Like, to me, I'm not going to be like, hey, let's go and create stricter regulations for this. Like, if there's just that nothing. Aren't even using. If there's just nothing, yeah, there, then why make it a thing? But I'm there to defend it or have a conversation with other people when they bring it up. I mean, it's a huge factor to, like, explain why on-site consumption. Because this thing, you sit there and you're talking to representatives that are fearful of on-site consumption or fearful of consuming because they don't ever consume it. They don't know. They don't know any of the culture in it. It's reefer madness world. It is reefer madness world sometimes. It's like, I'm sorry, uh, like, Jimmy Cash, I think, in one of our meetings or one of our uh, forums when we were running. It's like, why... Should I think um, on-site consumption should be safe? I was like, because people have been using this for medicine for a long time. So, like, you know, they're just, like, medicated all the time. Like, you know, yes. I'm not, not going to take the Adderall in the morning if you have ADD, right? You, it's just always going to be your consumption to maintain pain or maintain a certain level. It's happening now. And it happens now already, to be blunt with you. And no pun intended. Um, and <laughs> it's just, it's not going to be as alarming as you expect it to be. Like, you don't actually read about people, like, getting too high and getting in fights. That's a bar situation. And then I get to point them to, hey, you should go check out this uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration report on how marijuana affects you when you're driving. And when you go and look at it, it's very similar to just being tired. Tired's bad. But tired is not drunk. Not drunk. <laughs> like, like when they like show the levels, like I think they used a good bar graph or something, and it's like, oh, yeah, way up here is alcohol. Right below alcohol a little bit more is like opioids and other you know narcotics. They right. say, you can't do this. And then over there, it's like, oh, yep, there's being deprived of sleep and marijuana, and then there's stone cold sober. All right, so that goes and shows and tells me that it's not that big of a deal. But then, go and like get a bottle of marijuana. Frank, actually, Berardi, he always has some really good information here and there. He, he was like, yeah, you go read the, the warning label on the side of a bottle of marijuana, which is like the pharmaceutical grade THC. Sure. It says, don't operate heavy machinery and equipment until you're acclimated to this drug. Do you think that's just a, a disclaimer like we have on our cannabis? You know, marijuana has toxic effects, maybe have foreign addictive. You know, no, not, you know, I mean, yeah, we that one's just, that's a little right, Do you think the same things happen to marijuana? No, because that's the whole point. The fact that it actually says once you're acclimated to it, you can do those things. Oh, got it. Yeah. So as soon as you're acclimated to it. So yeah, I'm not telling like, hey, mid-toker, come on, sit down, man. This is the first time you're ever going to, you know, have a dab or something, right? Um, or smoke any THC product. Go drive a car now? No, man. I'll, I'll want yeah, you to get a feel for it, you know? So people that actually, I mean, it's all the same deal. Self-regulation. You, you know, I, I'm not going to go, if I don't ever consume anything and then go sit at an on-site place and then have a joint and I'm like, whoa, I'm not going to drive away from here. Same deal as like, oh, I chose to go to a bar and had five drinks. Now I should know I shouldn't get in a car and drive away. Right. You've been it's there before. self-policing. Yes. I mean, that's the whole purpose. They know they shouldn't do it. But the, the actual risks are not nearly as bad as alcohol are. Just sit with alcohol. So uh, impulsive. Your time to make a decision, you give no time to make decisions. Like, you don't even think about it. Cannabis, you may never come up with a decision. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm going 45 in the 60 zone because, oh gosh. I'm paranoid and I don't want to make a mistake. (laughs) Should I go this way? Should I go that way? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So you end up being excessively cautious which i mean 
I argue this to other people all the time, like, don't drive too slow on the road because yeah. it's dangerous. But, like, being excessively cautious could cause issues. But in the reality, it's like... It's only going to cause issues to the other people that are trying to get around it. Yeah. Like... It, I mean, if the natural flow of traffic is 60, and all of a sudden those cars, like, taking up... Fair enough, minutes, fair you know. Yeah. But, it, yeah, they're going to have to go around it, yeah. It's not as bad as the 100 mile an hour weaving through the 60. Bingo. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, having a conversation with that, reminding people that it's not nearly as bad. So, I mean, like, always being just there. Just being the voice of reason. Re- yeah, exactly. Trying to be a voice of reason and being a voice of... Less and a professional government. one. It wasn't you were supporting cannabis without being just blindly. You mean you know? Well, and not even that. Being stonerish, I want to call it. Like you weren't up there <laughs> laughing yeah. all the time. And um, oh yeah, well like showing up high. Yeah, knowing me, I mean, I'm a dead giveaway when I'm stoned. Like cause I don't smoke every day. Um, like I, I consume it on a regular basis without a doubt. But I don't usually do it at work. And I don't usually do it never did it before an assembly meeting or anything like i want to be there and be good but like if i am ever stoned around you you'll know right away that i'm stoned like i have the whole half lid drop thing for sure and i'm just like it's a, i'm a dead giveaway if i'm high in public like i'm like all right i just don't do that so it's an at home chilling thing or hanging out here at work kind of a thing after after work with friends and stuff but just knowing that well that comes with uh i think your educated background knowing that i, I know a lot of people in college you get to that feeling of, okay, I got to get this done. And you self-regulate. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm stoned, I can't finish this. Yep. I'm not going to want to. Yep. Maybe I might do it, but I'm stoned. I don't want to be working on oh, uh, tell me paper about or I'm, trying to figure out I'm a, That's an epitome of like learning in that aspect. I mean, given the number of nights that I've had where, because I mean, through college, I'd, I went to college all day and then I would serve tables at night or if I was in Washington when I went, was living there, I'd was delivering pizzas or making pizzas at Pizza Hut. You know, I had always have a job. I never went to college and didn't have a job. By the time I get home, it's like, uh, do homework or smoke a bowl and watch Family Guy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we're going to smoke a bowl and watch Family Guy tonight. Or I'm going to do homework tonight. Like, it's always this balance. But a lot of times, man, like, some homework did have to go to the wayside because there's so much you can bite off. Yes. And, and then I think with cannabis, you sit there and think, well, you know, okay, I'm going to be. Yep. Then I get an A. Who cares? Hey, man, they get degrees. And honestly, it's a good balance because, like, I don't know, my, my proficiency has been, like, test-taking skills. Like, when it's, like, on point, like, here's a test. Doom, pop, 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 pop. I can just zip through them pretty well. And I do a pretty decent job, like, being pressed like that. And as long as I'm always attending all the classes, I'm sitting there and absorbing it from the teacher. I'm listening and paying attention. I get the material and everything. I'm learning testing it. you. But it's like, yeah, I'm not going to, like, do all your homework assignments. Some of them are just going to get dropped, man. And it's just the way it is. Like, you have to give and take. There's certain times, like, do I want to kill myself to be a 100% A student? Or do I want to have a work-life balance and still go to school and still learn all the material, but I got a B because I have a couple zeros on homework signs? I took the Bs. Right. You're making a decision. You're using numbers to go, okay, I I know that if I don't do this, I'm only going to get this, but I know that I did well on these, and so I can get this. Bingo. Hello. Aurora Apothecary CBD Superstore located in downtown Fairbanks. Aurora Apothecary CBD Superstore located downtown Fairbanks provides families, people, and pets with a wide variety of products from Mother Nature. We carry brands like Renew, Green Roads, Creating Better Days, CBD Plus Oil, and Select. 
Aurora Apothecary, 2nd Avenue, Fairbanks, Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. 456 Hemp. That's 456-4367. Aurora Apothecary, your CBD superstore for pets and people. Have a wonderful day. And you're numbers guy. That's my jam. <laughs> I, I You've love always math. been number guy. I have ever since I was a little kid. Actually, like when I was born, like being raised and stuff. My mom had a job that would like work night shifts, and so like during the day or like daytime, like before even kindergarten and stuff, I'd be sitting there like playing like math games, or she'd be like, I'd pretend to be the cashier. She'd be a shopper, and so she'd be like, "Here, I'm buying this, and how much did it cost?" You know, I was like, "Oh, this is eighteen ninety five." Here's twenty dollars. Count me my change, and so I'd be learning addition and subtraction pretty early on. Why'd she do that? Did she have a store, or did she? No, not at all. She just likes. She likes numbers too. Numbers and money too. Yeah, she's worked as servers and stuff like that too. So like money counting back and like you know it's, that's an old habit that nobody knows now. Like how to actually count change back to people. Mm-hmm. You walk into a grocery store or something. I remember like it was just a little bit ago. I'll always be like, oh here's the number of dollars, and they're like, oh wait here's. X number of pennies or like nickel to and penny. To the five. And so you get, to give me like, oh yeah, no, like, or not even that. Like just the other day I gave them like two extra pennies for my thing because it was 27 cents. So I get three quarters back instead of two quarters and a bunch yeah. of crap. So I was like, yeah, so nobody knows how to actually What well, doesn't cost back. this much? Oh, yeah, like, yeah they tried to do that. I'm like, no, you just put the total in the computer and you'll realize why I did that to you. And it's, it's just things that people don't know nowadays. Usually how to count change back or anything. It's just how old are you? Commute, like, uh, how old am I? I'm yeah. 32. 32? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's one perspective. I don't think I'm old, but you know, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm coming up on 47. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, right on, yeah. To yeah, have. young. <laughs> yeah, to me. Have kids young. But it is, it's too. perspective. It is. I mean, I'm, yeah, I feel like an old soul. I'm boring to a lot of people. <laughs> but. Well, it's, it, it's getting into that regulations and your, your sphere, did it change? I mean, it had to have. I mean, you're sitting there with Lance Roberts now. Yeah, spending your your time with Lance Roberts. Yeah, well, instead of he'd never want to spend time with me. <laughs> well, you are. It's you, funny, you like, have to. It's, you're stuck in a room with him yeah. talking about policies and regulation. Yeah, I mean, like, so there's like Open Meetings Act. You know, you're supposed to have most all your conversations in public, but you can always have like one on ones with people. Yeah, a lot of one on one conversations and get to know most all other assembly members, except for Lance. You'd be like the one that would just be like. Nope. You're the one that ran against me as a writing candidate. It's like, you're the oh, hot guy. It was him. He, he would never want to talk to me. I even like try to talk to him like during one budget time. One budget season, we were sitting there on a weekend and I was like, I made a motion to change the fares for the buses. So that way, instead of being 75 cents, it'd be a dollar. It was just like, hey, this is what Anchorage does. It's what everywhere else does. It's actually easier. People could just put a dollar in and that's exactly it. They're not feeling like, not feeling like, oh, I need to have 75 cents or you don't even get your change back anyhow. So, like, if you actually put a dollar in, you're not getting. They're not going like, to. Here's your quarterback. So you're paying a dollar anyhow in a lot of cases. So I made the motion to increase that fare or that fee, you know, the user fees, and he entertained the conversation and would get with me on that. And then it was like break time at lunch, and I was like, oh yeah, I was like, man, look, it's so hard to like get them to like even you know vote in favor of a couple of fare increases or whatever. Like I'm trying, I'm kind of on your side. And he was like, oh yeah, and he just would not engage with me every now and then even though i'd try and like even in during one of the budget for or the candidate forums that we had and he was the moderator at the t um yeah. whatever that one is if you want to call it a moderator right <laughs> but uh yeah i liked the whole point I like, like how he hey, explains everything he explains it to a way that he, 
sways the public's opinion. Yeah. Great moderator. Now I'm going to let you know about this cannabis vote they're going to be doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is how you should know about it. And yeah, here's the, the way to... He'll put you in a frame to make it so you'd think kind of like He's a smart man. He's very intelligent on that front. But um, yeah, Vivian Stiver or somebody asked him like, oh, would you be interested in raising user fees for different services and stuff? That would be at least, you know, half the cost of the service. Mm-hmm. And like every conservative person up there also agreed like, no, I can't do that. Like 50% of the service is ridiculous, you know? And so when it was my turn, I was like, yeah, I was like, Obviously, you know, 50% is ridiculous to cover all the user fees. It's the reason that there's a government doing this thing is because it's a losing money operation. But we need those services. But I was like, but even Lance Roberts could attest to the fact that I've tried to raise user fees in the past. So you should kind of like vote for me anyway. But um, yeah, that failed. I didn't get ITA's endorsement, obviously. But yeah, I was like messing with Lance because he just always has this like, I don't like you attitude, even though I'll try to like joke with him or loosen him up a little bit or be nice or he just like no he didn't want, he didn't want to me. entertain anything cannabis and it disappointed me as because I was around him in the beginning with uh, not in the beginning but around 2008 with Ron Paul and yeah. I'm with him all the time and he was always talking about freedoms and it always shocks me that people that want freedoms for themselves it's sometimes really hard to give it to other people yeah yeah it's that, it's it's crazy to me how hypocritical that the conservative base can be sometimes on that front. It's like, dude, like I, I would be about a lot of your ideas because I believe in having certain, you know, financial, like money doesn't grow on trees. You know, there's a scarce resource of funds available. So you need to be spending your money wisely on things. And so I'm fine with having like a semi-conservative mentality towards government spending in some respects. But, um, in that avenue, in the same vein, I believe in complete freedoms. And so the fact that you are like, oh no, homosexuals can't get married or you can't do this or that. Like I'd be like, fine, free up most laws. If it right. doesn't affect me, yeah. then why should I care? Like, why should I be like, oh, this rule has to be in place because, oh, God forbid, you like doing that, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, as long as you're not harming other people in the community, there's no reason that you should be... Are you a like, libertarian? I'm, I lean libertarian. I don't tell people that. I'm actually a Democrat. Um, you know, I'm part of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. I'm vice chair of the interior democrats right now um so i'm with the democrats and i mean biggest reason is because of the dumpster fire that was the republican party and all that i was undecided for the longest time if you want to participate in government at this point we are stuck in a two-party system like you're so so afraid to even think about a third party you're throwing your vote away but to go back to the idea we can change everything tomorrow. You, theoretically. Yes. But, I mean, that's the, that's the whole point is that it's all theoretical. Yeah. There's, there's the big sway and then there's the the what has been there forever. Right. You know, like you have old blue blood Democrats that have been in, running the DNC forever. Same deal with the Republican Party. They're doing that same deal. I'm not sure how the whole Donald Trump hijacked that whole system who was previously a, a Clinton supporter and donator, you know, and then switches to go be a real, I don't know. He is way out there, but like these systems are in place that it's going to be pretty difficult to ever un- unseat them. So, I mean, like, yeah, the Libertarian Party, I would not say I'm a Libertarian though, because uh-huh. here's the issue like, A, you say Libertarian, everyone freaks out, right? The yes. biggest thing is that like everyone in Alaska is a very Libertarian minded person. Yes. It's just, it's the nat- nature of Alaska. Yeah. I want no government in my life. I want to do whatever the hell I want. We got a lot of space. And we got a lot of space. Here's my spot. This is my land. Don't interrupt me. But then at the same time, 
It's we are not because we have neighbors. <laughs> we have neighbors. That's one factor. And the factor is that we also have a big chunk of land to spread massive infrastructure across. Yeah. So Gotta if we didn't it. have the massive amounts of federal funding that we've gotten, thank you, Ted Stevens. <laughs> we haven't gotten all those things and Don Young too, honestly. But like if we haven't gotten those funds to be able to provide for the infrastructure that we have, then a lot of us probably couldn't even live here. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to be here. So the reason I'm not libertarian is because they're like, you don't want any government. It's like, dude, no, there has to be, there is a level of which you do need to have this public service to be performed. Like not everyone's going to go out there and pave roads. Not everyone's going to go out there and, um, you know, plow them and maintain them or do all these other things, you know? Yeah. Look at the postal service, for instance. Go try and mail a letter at UPS or FedEx for 50 cents. Right. No, you can't. But it has been able to be able to provide a service for people that don't have a ton of money to mail things. Like, it's something that was necessary then. So there are certain services that the government does need to be able to provide for all of us to be able to have those resources. Like public pools. Yeah. It costs a lot to have. I can't even imagine. And people love them. Well, certain population loves them. And they're the ones that vote. Well, everyone everyone has a special interest. So yeah. like the whole thing, like that Mary Sai thing in the borough, one thing. But it's like, man, imagine how packed that room would be if I was like, we're shutting down the Big Dipper. Right. Like, talk about hockey taken away from our community. Talk about shutting down the Carlson Center, which is the thing. I mean, we su- we uh, subsidize that with two and a half million dollars a year. Wow. To give Fairbanks entertainment. Yeah. To have an avenue to actually have a center for people to have entertainment, to have Hockey games, other sporting activities, just participate in circus. I mean, just yeah, just to have an event a community event, and you need one. I mean, honestly, I, I agree so. in the whole fact that we have to have something like that. So that way, when you do have major events, without having that, do you think we'd have an AFN coming here? Oh, no. we need to have an avenue in which to put. But a, we even have to put a come. big tent outside of the Carlson Center no. to actually have everything. So, like, yeah, if unless we're gonna have an Alaska Airlines Center or Denina Center or something, you know, that's the thing that we have is our Carlson Center. I Can we maintain something even bigger? No, it's going to be even more costly. Elton John there. Yep. Because we had it. Mm-hmm. He was flying from uh, Asia, I think it was Japan, to Seattle. And it, it was his stopover. And if we didn't have a place to play, he wouldn't have played. But yeah. we had a place to play. Someone grab, grabbed him up, and I got to see Elton John. Yeah. Do you, do you think he would have done that at the Blue Loan? Probably not. <laughs> no. Too small. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Being able to have avenues for, for having those things. I mean, we already are starved for entertainment in comparison to other areas. In fact, I went to a comedian just the other day, and he was making a joke about the entertainment section of the Juno newspaper. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I'm dating a girl from Juno. He's like, you want to know why I love L.A.? Any given day, there could be a concert or something, you know, being in a population center. But, like, here in Podunk, Alaska, it, we fight for any source of entertainment that isn't right. locally sourced. And it's so expensive to do it. And then it becomes yeah. expensive to go. And yeah. then people are like, oh, let's turn on Netflix or something. They're just... Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy about you know, Adam Wool and the Blue Women bringing up as many artists as they have over the years. It's been pretty impressive. Do you think it would continue? I mean, if that's our... I don't know. I haven't heard... I, I think it's it... still going to continue. I mean, from my conversations with some other people, they like already have plans for rebuilding it. And rebuilding it in a really nice, cool way. And... I know, I'm sure they're going to try and have events. Nice. Make things happen. I'd be pretty disappointed if they didn't. Right, man. I don't get out as much as I did in the beginning of my life up here, but 
it was definitely a good place to go. I mean, I, I liked all the little nooks it had. Yeah. How you could be watching a couple different shows, watch a show here at this place and or not watch it. Just lean back and you're away from everything. Yeah. Or walk it. I think the fir- one of the first times up here I was working at um where was I working? Castle restaurant. Oh yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> I used to go there every now and then. And I walked in, uh, a friend of mine invited me out. I was getting Alaskan pot for some of the first time. And I met him, went out, smoked a bowl, and inside Stove was playing. I don't know, you ever hear Stove? Nope. Kind of like a, they were a jam band, definitely like a hippie jam band. Uh-huh. And I've never in my life, up since then even, that I've never seen a room move at the same, like, Everyone's all everyone was on it. Nice. It probably because I was getting high for the first time in a while right. and just feeling everyone. It was a great time. Stove nice. and the Blue Loon. Oh, is that the Loon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, he was I mean, like, hey, come out here and visit, come out to the Loon. I was like, what's that? I'll go check it out. Yeah. I mean, and one of the coolest room. concerts that I've been to was at the Loon, too. Who'd you see? Yeah, it was uh, Imagine Dragons. Oh, right on. And they were coming in there on like that thunder with the big ass bass drum in that tiny little room. I mean, not tiny. It's a space but it's small for like yeah. thinking about how much music can get crammed in there everyone's just you know you could feel it it was just amazing yeah live music I, I I'll listen to live music yeah whether I like the genre or not just someone up there performing their art is pretty cool yeah it is actually uh-huh. yeah and so that's the thing being able to have an avenue to go see those things hopefully that continues but yeah I mean obviously that shows you an example of a for-profit business person doing it and where having government to be able to provide a venue for other things True. like it's doable on the for-profit angle but then having an avenue that could actually house bigger shows like the carlson center for and multi-use and multi-use for a bunch of other things you know? right winter shows expos all sorts of different things that they hold there oh yeah all the home shows yeah the home shows seems to be the biggest thing that i know about <laughs> the home show is coming yeah exactly Are you looking to list or searching for your perfect property? Well, contact Matt Wade at Century 21 Gold Rush, community member for over 20 years, helping you through the real estate buying and selling process. Matt Wade, C21 at gmail.com. M-A-T-W-A-D-E-C21 at gmail.com. 907-978-0127. Helping you through the process. Matt Wade, Century 21 Gold Rush. Before kindergarten, you were knowing how to add, subtract. Learning a little bit about that yeah, here and there. And then I was like super excited to go to kindergarten and show my teacher and stuff. And okay. Those things. So like, you you were really you were into school? Numbers. numbers. <laughs> I, I, I like to math. And like to me, it's all about logic and answers and stuff. Like to, I'm not a fan of spelling. Like I'm, I'll be nitpicky and a Nazi gram, or a grammar Nazi to people sometimes. Now that I know it. But it was like one of the hardest things for me when I was growing up. For me, reading and writing and stuff was difficult. I liked writing here and there. We'd have like writer's workshops and I'd be like, ooh, cool, creative ideas. Mm-hmm. But my, my reading and writing proficiency exams never uh, like as awesome as my science and math ones would be. So science and math has always been my jam. Yeah, and when you're good at something, you keep on doing it and getting yeah, better. And exactly. Got to join the gifted and talented program in like fourth grade or third grade or something, but only like for algebra purposes. <laughs> it was like, here, you're going to do like pre-algebra in kindergarten or in elementary school. And I'm like, oh, awesome. So I'm doing all that and then oh. going to middle middle school, 
sit there and like ramble off things and like being like you know algebra class already in in geography or geometry actually geometry was in high school but just being you know a nerd about it i even like what was it i one of my favorite uh conversations was like or moments in high school was being in uh geometry class and i just like mr grubis was my teacher guys freaking awesome absolutely like one of my favorite high school teachers but I'd fall asleep in his class because it was early in the morning. I'd just be like, oh, fall asleep. Like, Sean, wake up, wake up. What's the answer to this? I'm like, uh, and I'd just like whip off an answer real quick. And he'd be like, screw it, to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, oh, I got 106 in my class this year. What a big deal. But um, yeah, no, math has always come to me really easily. And then like, or I always feel bad because like, because I'm a nerd like that, like I, something that. Like, if it's wrong or something, I'll, like, tell you. And then I'll, like, let you just continue on the wrong path. <laughs> and so, like... And math is easy to to say whether you're right or wrong. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's not right. So, like, I have, So, then... So, I got Mr. Grubus later on for pre-calc. Or calc. No, it was calculus. And, uh, yeah, him later on for that class. And I had um, a student teacher that would go in, like, she'd teach things here and there. And... I'd like correct her on one of them. She's like, "Gosh darn it!" And, like look back over at Mr. Grubis, like, "Yeah, he'll do that deal sometimes. Just gotta deal with it. <laughs> just, just no math, yeah." Like, "Oops, sorry, I'm not like, trying to call you out, but you know, if I know it's wrong, it's just gonna eat at me." So, does your brain, as soon as you see numbers, does it start calculating? No, not, I'm not like that. Like, I'll just want to like. It's not about like calculating numbers and stuff, but it is like I just want to know: a is the math on this right or wrong or something like hmm. some people are like really gifted and they can just like sit there and think like crazy obscure numbers multiplying together and stuff mine didn't work like Not, that it just starts working like it like if i see two numbers like if i seen a four and seven it multiplies it yeah like yeah, i don't know I, what happened or i can't I, I mean i'm i could if i'm spending the time to think about it but like i'll talk to other people like even uh, other people that work here and stuff and there's like they'll talking to them about oh yeah well what's you know three thousand times 48 or you know you start going through larger numbers to multiply mm-hmm. together i'm like oh, let me break open an excel sheet and i'll give you all the numbers exactly as they are and then they'll be like oh yeah it's like this and it's like in a close range and it's like i don't know that's cool for you i don't have that ability but Interesting. you know I so you're more the, the precision yeah yeah for the most part like, like in having to be right uh, <laughs> i don't have to be right well it seems like <laughs> the math I mean, well, it's yeah, that feeling of... Um, it's like, I know there's a right answer. Yeah. So like, why not just have the right answer? Exactly. Like, there's not that's like, what's easy about math. It's, it's like, in writing, that's why I hated getting my papers graded yeah, by yeah, teachers. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you got a B plus because, like, you tone or this. And it's like, Shakespeare so subjectivity. Mean that? Yeah. How do you know what Shakespeare meant? Yeah, it's so subjective, man. And it's like, oh, do I win over the favor of the teacher or whatever? I'm not the greatest writer anyway, yeah, so I'm like a little, like, eh, chapped about it. But it, what's the exact right answer on that? It's hard to say science math here you go is the answer right no it wasn't or it was that's what's cool about math and that's why I liked it so that's been my thing I mean I ended up giving up on it eventually because I didn't continue on with as the far as like uh, education or something yeah or... exactly so like when I was in high school my drive like I liked sciences more so than just math I was never going to be like oh I want to go to school and become a mathematician no <laughs> not at all I want some practical in my life, right? And I actually really enjoyed biology and sciences a lot. So, like, for my Like, jam, using math. Using not thinking math. about math. Yeah, exactly. Not like, let me think about some theoretical physics and shit. Now, I won't go deep down into that kind of angle very often. But um, I liked 
sciences for the most part and i like the medical field so like i you know got my emt certification like my senior year in high school or something like that and uh i was all about medicine and i went to like some medical related educational program one summer in washington dc at georgetown and so like i put my drive towards medicine for the most part my ambition when i was a kid was to go and become an orthopedic surgeon like you're gonna have like the specific classification of surgeon I wanted to be <laughs> you know like I had that in my mind then I went off to college and I was like okay well when I'm going to college I'm not going to go get a biology degree because if I don't get into medical school I'm going to end up with a biology degree and I don't want to be a research biologist like a scientist so I'm not going to sit there and pour over research and numbers and I don't want to be a high school teacher of biology so I was like all right I'm going to go to school to be an electrical engineer and so my first year and or two of college was um, on the path of an electrical engineer with a minor in biology. And so then if that's, I... That was mine. It, was it? Uh -huh. Nice. And so I went into pre-med. I was trying to. And that's what I was... My jam was, I was like, oh man, I'll take MCATs and stuff. I'll look like a really cool student by having an electrical engineering degree, but wanting to go to med school and you have like sure. the biology background. And then if all the technology, everything falls apart, you know, then you can go be an electrical engineer somewhere and it'll... You'll get by. <laughs> You'll be all right. And it'll be mathematics and, and you know, physics based. And so I was going down that path. And then I uh, was in my sophomore year of college. And I was in Washington State University. And I was struggling in certain math classes in that one. Because it was at, like, the butt crack of dawn. I had to be there, like, 7 in the morning. So I ended up missing that class a bit. And college math is different than high school math. Yeah. And it was also from a teacher that, like was from a foreign country and so it was really hard to understand mm -hmm. them it was calculus three so it wasn't just like you know typical calculus mm -hmm. it was like finding the size of cones and volumes and stuff like that and it was related like, rates yeah really difficult shit and i was like oh man and then i would you know work really late at night being a, a pizza delivery driver and then come home and get stoned and miss class or something and so i was just like eh, having a little hard time with that class but then at the same time i was reading um I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh -huh. the book. And it was like, this changed my whole mindset on the world. I was like, to hell with being a doctor. I'm not going to go to like school for another 15 years, you know, like, you know, for a really long time, 12 years, going to <laughs> residency and like all that. I was like, man, all just to like struggle and then have, you know, malpractice insurance. And I was like, so the goal was to make money. Not just that. I mean, it was helping people too. But like it's also. A, but I, I remember that feeling, like going through high school and, and talking to the counselor and being like guided, and you take these programs. And how much money do you want to make? Well, I want to live in this kind of house. And what kind of jobs do you need to live in this kind of house? Well, you need to be a doctor. And oh shit. Yeah. So I mean, that's a portion of it, but it's not the main driving factor. I mean, it definitely is. Like, I definitely don't want to not be able to get by in life. I didn't want to oh, go a, and become a. a, a DJ, you know, a radio host or anything. Like, I'm not going to, like, be struggling for that kind of a passion. I'm sure I can find something passionate about that can still be reasonable income-wise, you know? What's that? And That's so, being your numbers. It's yeah. the numbers guy. And so then it's like, okay, yeah, so how much time do I want to spend going down this path and racking up medical school debts and all these other things? Or do I want to switch paths and do something else? And so, like, the whole way the Rich Dad Poor Dad thing broke out, which he gives you bad tax advice and stuff like that, like... <laughs> But the, the idea and the theory is there is the fact that like, oh, if you start a business, a lot of these expenses that you can just enjoy become business expenses. And so you can deduct those from your income. But, you know, as a, an employee and you're just getting paid to do your work, nothing's deducted in your life. Right. So like you pay tax on that top dollar number. 
So here, I'm, and in fact, I'm going to take it away from you before you even get your check. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you run a business, you have to go make those payments yourself to the government. And so you get all that money up front at first. And then you have to get, you get the funds and your revenues. And then you get to have all the deductions and expenses that are for business, which, you know, it's funny to be in this business because you don't get to it's hard get to. to tax deductions like you do in other businesses. But the idea is that, yeah, okay, if, you know, my cell phone and stuff like that, that could all be a business expense. You can just write it off like cars and things like that. Like things that would normally be an expense to an employee that you have after tax. You could take those before tax. So yeah, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, just changed my mindset on how to think about things. And then being a pragmatic person, so I'm like, okay, so if I'm going to change my degree, I'm no longer going to go after electrical engineering or biology or that front. I'm going to change my plan. I'm going to go to business. I'm like, I don't want to end up with just a general business degree. <laughs> but hey, what's the one thing that all businesses need? And what's the one thing that like you can always get a job at? Oh, accounting. Imagine that. So, hey, I'm going to do accounting and because I have a, a knack for numbers. And it's like going through your undergraduate programs and stuff, too. It's not just um, it's not just like, oh, you're focusing only on electrical engineering. You have all your other core courses you need to take. Right. And so economics is one of them. And, like, I took um, AP economics in high school and then economics in my freshman year, I think it was. And so, like, those things, I just, like, had a natural knack for it super easy to come and be like oh i understand supply and demand i get the business reaction or how people that's a quote-unquote rational person that's the basis of economics right how would a rational person react even though we all know it's filled with irrational people high school right to college yeah definitely i actually um graduated in the top 10 percent of my class at west valley in 2006 so there's that so you end up getting the ua scholars program nice and so the whole eleven thousand dollars spread over four years was like so I'm jumping right in, and I got all these other AP classes that I already get me used to college credits and stuff. Like a lot of people that want to get like a, a CPA license, you have to have it's 150 credits, educational credits. So you have to usually get more credits than a four-year degree will be required. Sure. But it was like super easy. I think I ended up with like 170 or something crazy because I changed my major and it was like completely in a different uh, direction. Right and like all the AP time. classes I took in high school, and then all the misdirection I took for the first year. And you went to Washington. Years. Yeah, I went to Washington State for one year under the exchange program, so I still paid UAF all costs. But that goes back to being educated, getting into the cannabis field. A lot of people feel it's just a bunch of stoners. Yeah. And one of the differences that your company had, are all of you guys educated, college educated? Uh, Yeah, Frank has an MBA from UAF and also a psych degree from University of Oregon. I have... My MBA from UAF because that's how me and Frank met was in that <laughs> thing. Um, and then my undergraduate from UAF also. And then Emmett was going to school. I think he was going to get a biology degree. And he was only like a couple credits short of getting his undergraduate biology degree. And then he got pulled off the EMT world. And yeah, then he went on to the EMT world and he was like, oh, here's calculus. I'm just not going to do it. I think that was the one class he had to take. I was like, dude, just sign up for it. I'll freaking help you do the whole thing. Oh, it's super easy. He just never got around to doing it. And I don't know if other credits dropped off or whatever, but I was super pushing him to like, come on, just get a degree. But he was close. But he's, not, you know, he's paramedic and stuff. So he has other certifications and education. Well, you said you finished at UAF, but you went to what, University of Washington. What was the exchange program? Oh, yeah. So it's just... Um, National Student Exchange, NSE, I think. Just one year? Yeah, one year. So I actually, 
was here at UAF, and then I was like, oh, I want to do an exchange and try something else out. Went down to Washington State. I was going to go. There had to be something. What was? What wanted you to get rid of out of here? Trying other places. Having never been here, I always just wanted vacation. to move away. Oh, yeah, not I vacation. I wanted to get travel. Out. I was going to be gone. Like I actually originally applied to other colleges too. Um, my dream college that rejected me, Stanford, and I was going to go there. But I mean, that was when I wanted to be a, a surgeon and shit too. So um, I would have probably left and tried to, you know, take on a whole bunch of debt and stuff like that. But I made the smart choice of staying. When you but get that scholarship program, right? Yeah, exactly. So you- that opportunity. So it's like, why not just stick it out? And so uh, I wanted to go and sh- check out another place really badly. And I was thinking about other different places to go to exchange programs. And I was like, well, that one's actually close. My cousin was going to Washington State University already. So I would have my cousin, Alex, who got to hang out with her and, you know, token party all the time because it's Washington State University, not UW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the party college of the, the state. Oh, that's um, but yeah, no, I went there, and they had other good programs, too, so it was the reason to go. And then I brought um, a girlfriend with me, which was a bad choice. But if I didn't, I probably would never have came back. So, you know, life makes its way of mm-hmm. the path that you end up going on. But yeah, I took her down there. She didn't end up getting into the school. That was the thing. She was going to apply, and I was debating staying because I actually loved the space because Washington State University, it's in the plains on the east side of Washington. And so it's... Not like home, there's no mountains and stuff, but like it still snows. It still gets cold. I mean, it's not like, hey, it's minus 20 degrees or minus five even. It's always like above zero, but just cold enough that the snow's not melting. Hmm. So it's like super like awesome. And the light spectrum is better because you actually have the light come up in the winter. And And growing up in Fairbanks, you had that feeling now you have more light. You everything's you're more upbeat. Everything's cool. It's warmer. There's people, things to do. Yeah, it was just a way awesome environment. I totally loved it drive to Spokane if you wanted to go shopping at malls and things like that. Like, when was when that so cannabis was legal then? Or like medical no. or something? No, it was completely illegal. Okay. I mean, it was just us smoking in black market days, you know? Black market lives matter. I know, but for some reason I'm thinking like Washington started early with their medical, so it might have been easier to get it then or the culture was more open yeah, to it. Or... I mean, it maybe was that might, might have been the case. I, I don't recall it being like... It was still illegal to you. It was still illegal to me. And illegal in every aspect that I thought about it. So, it and then all... you growing up in Alaska, I grew up on the East Coast, so my illegals might have been a little different than your illegal. Where East Coast? East Coast, yeah. Like north of Baltimore. So, when you get caught, you fucked. I mean, yeah, it's, they're there to roll you. Yeah, you're going to be doing piss tests every week, and you're on probation, and just yep. for getting. I mean, I, I got caught with smell on my fingers in Massachusetts. What? For the smell on your fingers? Smell on my fingers. I got a possession charge. That is jacked up. I, would. I probably could have fought it, but I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. And being 21 yeah. and thinking, they said that I got caught in Massachusetts, in uh, Concord. Actually, being the history person, I love it that Lexington and Concord, you know, the right. shot heard around the world. And I went, I got caught for my consumption in at Concord that's so and I uh, spent the night in jail and um, well what happened they they asked me if I was right or left handed we had just smoked a joint at Walden's Pond came out of there and um, I said right handed he grabbed my wrist smelled my fingers and said I smell pot uh, consumption or possession wow and they said you can you can plead guilty. What no contest? I think they no call contest it. is what everyone always pushes you for. And take blah blah blah. Take this class, pay this fine, and you're done. Okay. 
I get out. I get out. I don't, I'm not in trouble anymore. But oh, hey, that was that was before yeah. the, you learn about rights and yeah. learn about the, what you can do. Just say just by saying something. Oh, seriously, like that's one of the biggest factors of like, A, hang out with Frank has gotten me a little more knowledgeable on that front. But like, that's why I like the law so much. Like to me, that's why I like... What's right or wrong? Like, yeah, exactly. Well, there's that. There's also... Oh, that's true. Juries. <laughs> there's this whole way of how I get to paint a story too, you know, and explain a situation like, oh, what was your mindset of this or how this happened? Intention. How do you get to actually prove that is that admissible, you know? Right. So... There is so many different, like, I don't know, to me the law is the most important thing. That had to be exciting and you so, start and regulations are new. And yeah, that was super exciting. And it's also, like, you know, teaches me more about the law in a lot of ways that I didn't know. So, like, researching things, like, you're sitting there for hours just referencing and cross-referencing things. And it's like, oh, wow, now I'm understanding how, like, flow through these statutes and stuff. Like, the most law course thing I've ever taken was business law, just because you have to have one for business. Uh, degree and so you learn a lot of what you can and can't do and how much you know what an assault charge can get you it's like wow just making someone feel threatened for their lives like even if i did it like leering at them or something like that could possibly be it it's like there's a lot of things where it's like there's so much maneuverability and it's also making her break it there too and so to me that's the degree i've always wanted to have but it's like being practical like hey i want to get business and accounting out of my under my belt and then it's like i've had the drive to want to do go to law school or something but to me it's like yeah i know how many unemployed law graduates are there or not unemployed but servers that have law degrees like being able to use it and also knowing how to use it and also the fact that it costs an ass load of money and time like you talk about people that go to law school and they like age immensely over that three years and it's like yeah i'm not gonna do that right now Focus on other things. Maybe you come there. And you I'm got into well the idea to. of good titrations came. If you're 32 now, probably what, 26 or 27? Yeah. So young. I mean, when you wouldn't have even been out of law school at that point, would you? I mean, yeah, I guess you would. 22, graduating Maybe. law school, another two, three years. Yeah, I was like 23 when I graduated. 23, 24. No, I was, 20. I was about to turn 24 when I graduated with my undergraduate. So I would still be in law school. And then I went back and got my MBA, and then that's where all the connections here to make this company was made. So Do you remember you've alluded to cannabis a couple times? Uh-huh. Do you remember the first time? Yeah, actually. How old were you? I was like, I want to say 13, 13 or 14, something like that. It was like somewhere in like middle school to very first year of high school time, somewhere in there. It might have been the summer right before high school. I can't recall exactly the time, but it was a good friend of mine, um, Charlie Pullman, actually. He was like, yeah, you're such a type A person. You need to do this, dude. <laughs> like, this is a way to chill you out because I'm always like, we're like, this is right or wrong. You know, that's always my drive. I'm always like floored on like you know numbers and math and just like just engaged engaged yeah always my mind's racing i'm always type a as shit and uh he was like here you need this like this will make you chill and so like was there some event going on at that time do you remember like in like uh i don't know like it was just your general nature oh just my general nature just he was a friend of yours and he's been a friend of mine since we were like fifth or sixth grade was he smoking pot at that time and you knew he He had, had already started it so actually it's kind of funny story um like 
you know, growing up in elementary school and getting the dare program delivered to you and all this shit. And my mom. And so like one, one driving factor of like me going to college and like being so push on being a good student and studying is like my mom and my aunt, they would like hang out at the house and then they'd like, I was the first born out of all of my, you know, cousins and stuff. Like anyone that's a descendant from my grandparents. I'm the firstborn, so I was like the first grandkid, the one that like they, they put like, everything put on everything you. Everything on you. It's like boom, yeah. boom, like you got to be perfect, you got to do all this stuff. And it's like, oh man, okay, I'll like be really good at this. I'm going to go to college, and it's just like, don't do drugs; it'll be on your permanent record. Don't do all these things, and just like be a really good student. And I'm just like, oh okay. And so going through the dare program and all this, I was always like, oh yeah, drugs are bad. I'll never do any drugs. And I like told my sister, my little sister, like, oh. I'll disown you if you ever do drugs and da da da. Like, so this is like 12. Like, yeah, like freaking 10 to 12, you know? And then, yeah, and I'm like, all right, I'll finally do this and come around to it. And, you know. So your friend was smoking pot the whole time, but you were. Yeah, still, not the whole time. He was actually just starting dabbling in it too. But, okay, how long like, had he been smoking before? Probably like six months to a year but he just knew that this is really good and i uh, yeah that's awesome you i need to hook up, up man. Showing like, up here. you're like you have your your notions of this are incorrect you just gotta do it yourself you know all right sure fucking you know just laugh your ass off and make frozen pizzas and have a great What'd time you do? what was the event it was no event i was just hanging around staying the night at his house you like spend the night just, yeah, just spend the night we're gonna hang out and chill he's like you gotta try this and you like it's actually like funny because he's such a crafty person like all like growing up with him and stuff he'd always like make swords out of like just macgyverish macgyverish yeah so he like he, he, yeah funny thing you know political signs we'd always like as kids like oh there's these political signs in people's yards like screw these things like why are they show up every october or you know september who knows but like charlie would always be like oh i'm gonna go snag one of those because it's the stake on the end of it and turn it into like a sword he'd like shave it down so it had like some edges and he'd make a sword out of all these things but he'd always be literally really crafty and like create different stuff so when it came to smoking, it wasn't just, hey, here's a can and a couple hose, holes poked in it or something. He actually, like, got, like, hoses and fittings, like, me- like you know, metal, metal um, you know, plumbing fittings and stuff. Take a mason jar, cut a hole in it, put a water, basically made a water pipe out of this little mason jar. That was for my first time. Great clear hitter, you know. <laughs> it was awesome. How do you, how do, you do the stem <laughs> in, the, in the jar? He'd have a hose, so he'd be like, so you'd have the mason jar on the top, and you have a hose, oh, okay, have a metal piece, and the hose would go down into the water, and then on the top you'd have another hose at the top that would just be pulling on the top of it. Did he have older brothers? He had a, a much older brother, but he was consumer. Like, I don't know about that. Probably not. That's because it, it's I. It's an older brother where since I had known him when we were in like fifth and sixth grade, I'd never met his older brother. Gotcha. So he's like gone, way away. Old. Yeah, a bit older. So how did he figure out his world? Uh, other friends and stuff. Okay. I mean, you know, that's pretty probably cool. some people I probably won't name. So your first consumption was out of a homemade mason jar bomb. Yep, exactly. <laughs> nice. It was sweet. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. And like, oh, I don't know why I ever gave you a hard time about this, man. This is awesome. So you chill. just loved it from the beginning. Yeah, always. It relaxed you and made me like not be so driven and annoying to people. I guess. It was just, like, Did you seek it out, out after that? Or was it just like if your friends have it, you smoke it? Oh yeah, I mean, I I never seeked it out. Like, oh yeah, I definitely seeked it out here and there, and it'd be like a weekend thing, you know, with friends. Like, hey, we're gonna go play video games or something. Exactly. Like, chill. It's time to like relax, watch something funny, and uh-huh. just lay back. But it wasn't like a oh, I'm doing this every day kind of a thing ever until college, and then after I got out of high school or like my last year in high school, and then first year in college, then you do it at night and 
on the weekends all the time. Yeah, I mine was always expense. I think it was too expensive for me to do it every night. In my in my world, especially East Coast, I didn't know yeah. any growers. Yeah, if you don't know people, I mean, here it's like Mexican shit. Freaking everyone's dads and parents would have grown it. Like it's a in Alaska for us, it just seemed incredibly common. Really? Yeah, it was just like to me, it wasn't hard to find, and it would not be like crazy expensive, you know. It would be, I mean, because also as another factor is like as soon as I was shit 15, 15, 16 in high school, I always have a job. I never like lived my life without one. So I'd always be like hardworking, driven. Oh, if I got time in the evenings, I, I could have a job. So I'd work. And so in the outset too, like even as a kid, it's like, no, I, I don't want to have, I don't like having things regulated over me. And so like, oh, my parents would, you know, offer, hey, you can like have a cell phone through our plan or something. I'm like, no, I'm just going to buy my own. So like I have my own cell phone bill mm-hmm. and stuff when I'm like 16 and like just taking those expenses upon myself because I wanted the freedom of it. So then I had to work to make the money for it. So you Which can't also, take it away because it's mine. Because it's mine. Yep. And then also, yeah, same deal. I'd go buy weed with it if I want to or alcohol from 21-year-old people that are willing to buy. <laughs> Did Other you things. stay pretty standard from that 13 time was there ever time you smoked more or did you just oh, kind yeah. of like no that 13 time would be like the you barely ever had it <laughs> it was like super rare and then uh later months on, pass yeah and... I used to, yeah it'd be like weeks and stuff at times that you wouldn't go without it and then just yeah wouldn't get high all the time and then there'd be times so like yeah in college that would be every night thing and even like sometimes it'd be even during the day before boring ass lectures like I'm like yeah. no there's gonna be a boring lecture and I have an idea that I know kind of what it's gonna be about so I'm just gonna be stoned in the back listening and chill out when was it when so 20 around 2000 20 yeah you were no it would be an 18 consuming every day. day yeah 18 and 18. now you don't no not every day I mean almost every day some of the friends now like people are like hey you gotta sample this and shit and it's like fuck I got weed coming out of my ears now because yeah. I, I don't smoke like the app like most people do like oh yeah I'll take a bowl and it'll last me like two days three days because uh-huh. I'll be like I just need half of a bowl to hit me at night because I don't do it ever, all the time so my right, threshold just, for it is numbers. I mean and it's it's not uh, pot does not work well with numbers no it works real well with writing and philosophizing right. and um, talking politics and yeah, talking policies and cool up thoughts. Numbers, uh-uh. Yeah. Uh, you just make so many mistakes and you don't even consider them. It's so funny. I actually, like, I've had plenty of nights with, like, same friend, um, like, later on in high school time. And it was, like, probably, like, junior year or something. I remember just, like, getting really stoned and then also have had drinks, too. So we were, like, pretty buzzed and stoned. He's like, dude, you're so far gone. Sure, you can't do math. And I was like, give me a math problem. <laughs> Did it? And I was like, oh, I think I got that. I'm like, I'll check it in the morning. <laughs> okay, it was right. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. So you I'm completely gone. I could carry it through, but it's like it was a struggle. It's not like it's something you want to do. So you know. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm backing up. Same reason I like knowing the law. Like, right. shoot, man, TSA. What a freaking system that is. Uh, like, I love Frank for that. Oh yeah, Frank for that. That's was national, man. That he did. That. that is national. It's great too. It highlights their policies and stuff. Yeah. So like, same deal. Like, uh, what was it? One day I was going through TSA, obviously flying to Anchorage for business related matters. Right. There's a lot of stuff in my my backpack that day. Um, money wise TSA agents like 
How much money is there? Like, the fuck's the matter to you? <laughs> I didn't say the F word to him, but I was like, it doesn't matter, man. A lot. <laughs> he's like, he's like, well, it looks like more than ten grand. I was like, yeah, it does, doesn't it? I was like, because it is. He's like, oh, well, where are you going? I'm like, to Anchorage and back. I'm just going to Anchorage. I'm not even leaving the state. He's like, so how much do you have? I was like, I don't need to tell you that. The only time I need to declare it is when I'm traveling internationally. You don't need to know. These bastards can ask you anything. If you surrender it. Yeah, and he keeps trying. And he keeps trying. And it, this, this same day that it happened, I was taking it down in a bag that has a lock on it. That when the x-ray hit it, it looks like a tiny gun. But I was going through there. And so they had to get the police officers come in there and, and check this out with them because they thought it was a gun. Mm-hmm. They're like, there's a gun in here. I was like, dude, there's not a gun in there. I know. I handled this bag the whole time. I don't roll around with guns. Not my style. So there's not a gun in there. But, you know, so they bring in two other uh, airport police officers and then also another airport police officer that's like actually dressed in like a suit and tie and a badge on his hip kind of a thing. They're like, oh, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm just traveling to Anchorage like I do all the other times here. I know what's going on. Like, oh. Like, Did you present yourself as a cannabis business? After they asked. Okay. You, you, know, you were, they sh- they you were maintaining now, your rights in the beginning. Yeah. And I am still. And I was pushing it. Uh-huh. And dude's like, well, this is, this is. I, was, I was like, actually, like, what was it? The, the uh, police officer asked me how much money was there. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'll just tell him because the guy was gone. And I was just like. I don't like TS agents that don't know their lane. It's time but, to um, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, yeah, man, I'm just traveling just to Anchorage and back. And so then the TSA agent comes back in and I already told the other guy about it. I was like, well, actually, I already told the other officer how much it was, so you don't need to. <laughs> He's like, oh, this is my TSA station. I can, like, we can make this really difficult if you want. We can go, I can take that from you. We can fill out paperwork and stuff like that. I'm like, you would really regret that. <laughs> he was like, well, what do you mean by that? I was like, you can a- ask me all the questions you want. You know, I actually have the right to remain silent. I can just sit here quietly. Right. I don't have to tell you a fucking thing. So good and, to your rights. Yeah. And I'm like, I know the law. He's like, yeah, well, you know, I can ask you and I need to ha- understand. I was like, yeah, you asked me whether I was traveling internationally. I told you no. Got him all flustered and shit. He was like, oh, gosh. And then the other guy that was in, like, the suit and, and tie jacket, you know. He's like, oh, is everything going okay? Like, I'm really sorry about him doing that. How has your whole experience been all right? And I'm like... Yeah, man. I'm just like, I just want people the to PR know. PR guy. I just want people to know that I know my rights too, and I don't have to tell you this. So, yeah. like, that's a point that I like. I enjoy knowing the law, so that way they can't work me over. Like, as that's like, it seems like that's what the police's job is to try and do: catch you getting worked over. Yes, and you knowing your defenses is huge. So, yeah, I was pretty jazzed about having. Given that TSA agent the business. <laughs> After he was all like, he thought he was so right, and this is my spot. I'm like, you can ask whatever you want. I don't got to tell you a damn thing. If you want to take it away from me, then we're going to have another thing. Because I know exactly how much is in it, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> and then when uh, we end up, yeah. I'll this have, was post already going through, right? Oh, this is way past. Yeah, this is actually within the last five months. Yeah. And they've got to know you guys. Well, not. No, yeah. But then again, like, what was it? Like, shit, four weeks later or something like that. I was going down for something else. And, um, the, the other TSA who's supervisor, you know, she's the supervisor of the post at the time. She goes, looks at the x-ray because they called her over. And then, like, she didn't even want to, like, pull me aside to look in it or anything. She was, like, traveling internationally. I'm like, nope, anchorage her back. And she's like, all right, good to go. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, see, you know what your actual ability to ask questions are. So it all depends on who you get and what kind of mood they're in. I know. Yeah, if they're having a bad day, because, man. The, the ability to be able to search you is pretty uh, 
harsh and invasive. Yeah, just it like, is. And, just, and, and there you go. And they're allowed to do it and do it. And do you want to take it in a private room? No, do it right here. Just do it. it ain't gay if it's TSA. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that one. <laughs> Dude, no. I saw a meme. There's a guy that has a shirt on that says it when he's getting frisked by an agent. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like it. I really get I I get anti and I I get loud and start talking. I one time we were pulled out of the line in Seattle and I started getting loud about Yeah, you can search it. It was when I was refusing to go through the um the metal detectors uh, or the, the big the, the scan scanner, the scanners, scanner, yeah. when you were allowed to opt out yeah now they took that away and you can't now you just gotta do it but i used to opt out every time and we get pulled aside and uh, that was fun um yeah right you gotta know your rights in anything just in anything yep yeah and they're, they're only supposed to be checking to make sure there's nothing ha- like dangerous like mm-hmm. it's not like hey oh i'm looking for narcotics and you know trying to press people on those things no you're not you're just making sure that there's not a bomb in there or a big knife or a gun. It's good to have um, goals or and priorities. Yeah. The idea of creating good titrations had to have been developing somewhere in someone's brain first. So where did that happen? This whole thing, actually. I mean, Frank was the catalyst of it all. Just being an activist. Well, Frank absolutely loves weed, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, goes without saying. And Emmett, same deal. All of us like weed. Yeah. So we're in a in the MBA program in a marketing class. You're all friends. What's up? You're all no. friends at this point. No, I've met you and Frank. Me and Frank, Frank are in the class. Yeah, we're going through the MBA program together, and based on, you know, the things that I've argued and said in class and things that he did, too, you know, we're like, oh, catch on the fact, we're both kind of like weed type of thing. And so then we'd end up, oh, yeah, let's go uh, take breaks during our, because th- of three-hour classes. Like, you go get an MBA program, or you get an MBA degree from UAF, or I don't know if it's still the case, but that was the case. They're all from six to nine at night, so there'd be breaks in the middle. Mm-hmm. Me and Frank would go and take breaks together and smoke and shit, kick it and stuff. And then uh, we were in the MBA, or we were in a marketing class, and we got assigned together. And we're like, "Oh, you got to come up with a marketing plan for a business." I'm not the creative type. I'm not the creative one <laughs> at all in any of these instances. Usually, I'm the one that uh, you know knows the numbers and, and plays on the logic fronts. But um, coming up with the idea, he was so they're like, "Hey, yeah, what do you want to do for a business?" I'm like, "I don't know." I don't know what Frank's like, "Let's do a weed business." Like, "Yeah, I'm a pump. Let's when market a weed company." Shoot, man, I want to say 2012, maybe 13, 12 as well. It's not in the initiative process. That yeah, it was about to be. Okay. It's like, it's like right happening Okay. At that time. Uh, actually, it was like Frank was collecting signatures for it. So I was one of them who was like, hey, come meet me at Safeway, bro. I'm like, all right, dude, I'll come over and sign this thing. He wasn't hiding yeah. anything at that point. He's like out there. I'm going to make it happen. We're going to legalize it. Yeah, he latched on and found a group that was doing it. And then you guys are doing a marketing class and let's do a weed business. Yeah, let's do a weed business. And so we're sitting there doing it. We're like, oh, this is cool. How would you market it? Which angle would you go for? As we're doing it, and I'm like sitting here crunching numbers. Like, hey, how much can you turn off of a table? Like, how much things go into it? I'm like playing with it. I'm like, this actually could be a pretty good deal. Let's do it, you know? 
Um, <clears throat> and he's like, yeah, he's like, so I've been thinking about actually making this like a real business class, you know, like a real business. And uh, you are like the numbers kind of guy and know this. And I have another friend that I want you to meet after we give this marketing presentation and see what he thinks of it, you know, and, and, and we'll all get together and have a chat. And I was like, all right, sounds cool to me, man. I'm, I'm game. I'm really interested to hear what we talk about and plan out. Frank's like, all right, cool. Um, give the give the presentation to his friend. Happens to be Emmett, you know. He's like sitting quietly in the back of the classroom listening, you know, trying to not be noticed. Because, <laughs> hey, it's like, why am I so here it was for a week? presentation? <laughs> it was for the class? Yeah. But so he, you invited him in to watch yeah, it also. Frank brought him in to watch it. So, hey, hey yeah, what do you think of this guy too? He, it was him giving a presentation. Uh-huh. Like kind of a size us up and get to know each other and we went to frank's house watch showing so we start planning it and like all right let's let's actually do this that let's night a business not that night it was like spread over a week or so you know but like that was the one that was like hey that was cool and then we get some drinks and like hang out as friends and like talk and we're all like hey we can all get to get That's along pretty quick though we all like understand like kind of where this is going frank's out there getting this thing on the ballot they got enough signatures. Now it's going to be on the ballot. So, okay, what's our next steps? All right, if we're going to start a business, how, how do we want to set this up? And so we put more – we were working on both things simultaneously, you know, like here's this legalization effort where we're now going to have to go drive voters to come out and vote in favor of legalizing. At the same time, trying to develop a business plan and develop what we're wanting to do with the company. And so the whole thing actually started off as um, a cannabis connoisseur. That was the original plan. We actually, our entire original business plan was to have a big ass warehouse and a retail. We're going to do the vertical integration aspect with growing and selling like everyone else does normally, mm-hmm. right? And then we're sitting out there pitching this to all these potential investors and people and people are like, ah, yeah, you guys are just like some crazy punk kids. Some people believe in us. They're like, oh, you're on to something. Like some people don't. A lot of them don't. So it's, it's risky. No one gives us like huge chunks of change at first, you know? And, um. We were trying to like sell off the company for a large amount of money to get uh, enough funds to actually get a warehouse and get a retail and all that stuff. But we only ended up <clears throat> getting like, you know, approximately 400 grand somewhere in there, a little less. Um, as your startup. As a startup. Like, oh, this is not going to be quite enough. And we'll be pushing it really tight for grow and stuff. And finding spaces was hard. And knowing that we'd have to pay rent for freaking forever. So many people doing the grows. Yeah. And everyone's doing grows. Everything's going like we were like so much so and so um tuned into this business and like wanting to do it that we were like we're our plan was to move to Anchorage. Like we're gonna go down there where natural gas supplies the electric grid and electricity's cheaper and other things are cheaper, things are closer, like it's not gonna be as much work to like deliver to folks when you're from Anchorage. And you were the only one really tied to Fairbanks. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm the one that was born and raised here the most. Yeah. I mean, Emmett's, you know, been here from for most of it, but he's also, like, lived in Arizona and Oregon and stuff. And Frank's from Oregon. That's where they met, is in Oregon. Um, but even then, I was like, no, man, I'm not committed to Fairbanks specifically. I'd go to Anchorage. I was one of the ones that was like, I mean, numbers, reason, person. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. But then as we were sitting there, like, oh, wait. Like, the MOA is way more difficult to work with. Like, you want to go to, like, MOA? Uh, municipality of Anchorage. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> municipality of Anchorage is hard. The Matsu Borough is not as hard, but it's still a little more difficult. And then uh, Wasilla City themselves banned it. And so it's like, oh, man, like, you guys have your own problems. Like, whoever's fronting your guys' legalization effort down there has not been doing as good of a job as we have. And our borough here 
It has been nothing but open arms, willing to like, hey, we're jumping on this planning and zoning effort right away. We are here. We know this industry is coming and we want you here. And so given that, we're like, oh, shit, you guys are easy to work with. Votes are all seven to two for the most part, more or less. Like, I see us just, let's just stay here. These, this is a good government body to oversee us versus the other ones. And at that point, still the uh, vertical integration. Yep. Plan. Still thinking about the cultivation aspect of everything. And then uh, Frank got um, a little at-home extractor. <laughs> and so he's, you know, playing with that. Learning. But yeah, he's sitting there playing with an extractor. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got, like, all this extra stuff. We're going to try making concentrates and whatnot, you know? And then while Emmett and them are over there playing with it and stuff, they're like, hey, what if we pivot this business plan and we'll switch to this? Only. Only this. Yeah, we'll just focus on this. Why? Go with this avenue. Because the, the money the money we got, you know? I mean, okay. how much money we had. I mean, you actually figure some well, of that. Why like, just that one? Why not go cultivation only or why not go retail only? Oh, because cultivation. <laughs> uh, we end up having a board meeting and we're sitting here having a conversation with the group. Do we want to make this pivot? And they're like, and it's like, I crunch the numbers. This is how much we can sell these things for. And we got to have a lot more equipment up front for some of this, but like, it'll actually like be better off. Not a lot of people are doing it. And there's a market for this. There's a niche. And this is like before the vape pen idea even like became a craze. Mm-hmm. And, um, in my mind anyway. And then, uh, I'm sitting there punch- crunching the numbers and I'm like, all right, yeah, this actually is profitable business venture. I think this would be a good way to, I mean, given our limited resources and what we've got available, let's go with this avenue. And the best reason, too, is the cash conversion factor. So the how quickly I have to spend money to then get my money back. Awesome. We are so, that with taxes last week. Yeah, so, like, there, it's a it's a cash cycle, right? So, if like, let's say I made pizzas for my thing, right? How much do I got to go buy some flour? And it's got to sit there and proof one? it, you know, and all that. But for instance, like this, oh, you want to grow marijuana? All right, well, you're going to be shelling out cash for eight to ten weeks, you know, you know, a while before you get to then dry it out even longer and then you get even it Even do. Yeah. Like it might fail. And then there's a failure and all that shit just went to nothing. Yeah. Major factor in the ability to be profitable. It's a much harder thing but to now do. now you guys can take everyone's failures. Yeah, you think everyone's failures, and not to mention like, and they're good not, stuff. not even not even failures. Like they're actual good stuff too. Like, hey, here's your trim. You, like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna roll it up in joints? I don't think did in the beginning. <laughs> um, so a lot of them still do, right? Uh, but yeah, no. How about this? Instead of like having to spend all that time rolling joints, just come over here, give you you know eight hundred dollars a pound for it, and then from the time that it comes into the door, blast it, process it, refine it, test it, and put it on a shelf to sell it. Cash conversion cycles a lot faster. You know, Did you guys even worry weeks? about THC value of them, or it was just eight hundred pound? Oh, it always ranged. Okay, know? so everything was... was a negotiation, and like we're really hard nosed in the beginning because we were one of like the few, and so it'd be really uh-huh. easy to be like, "Sorry, like, hey, you want us to move? You know, a lot hundred pounds from me right now, but it's going to be at a much cheaper price. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you want to get a higher price, then yeah, you can go and." Roll it into and you, only, and like you had a machine that could only operate and could only produce so much. Yeah. And if someone's offering you this and someone, it, it becomes what the market can handle. Right. Exactly. How far you can negotiate. What do you think they would say? Hey, hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan Cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. 
Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. Here's Token. Here's Token.